following is a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. Hailing frequencies open. Which allows for instant written communication. The ring has awoken. Are you telling me you built a time machine? The force will be with you. Galactic Radio, Galactic Radio, Galactic Radio, with Dave Nelson. Galactic Radio, Galactic Radio, Galactic Radio, with your host, Dave Nelson. Coming up on the show, we'll be talking to author and podcaster J.F. DuBow about his books, Hobbies, Hopes, and Dreams. He's got two, The Life Engineered, which you can pick up right now, and A God in the Shed that comes out next year. Gregor and Corey from the Elsners podcast and Anessa from the Alien Invasion will join me for a discussion about what scenarios we played out as kids. Then Anessa tells us about a zombie-themed book she's reading called Girl with All the Gifts. We'll also have Mark's review of the movie Doomed, the untold story of Roger Corman's Fantastic Four, Peter's app review of Duolingo, Daryl explaining ray guns, and Gregor comes back with the week's comic book releases. All of that after we find out what made the headlines over the past couple of weeks. Headline news of vital, significant events from every corner of the earth. Spoken news brought into your home, your office, even into your car as you speed along the highway. Google made five big product announcements this week. Among the items unveiled were the first handsets to be designed and engineered in-house by the company, called the Pixel and Pixel XL. The smartphones are available for pre-order now. Also announced were the Daydream View Virtual Reality Headset, the Chromecast Ultra, which can stream 4K video, when the Google Home Smart Speaker would be coming out, and gave more details about its Google Assistant software. DC is reviving Jim Lee's superhero universe Wildstorm as an imprint. They acquired it in the late 90s and then shut it down in 2010, ahead of incorporating several of its properties into the DC universe in 2011's New 52 reboot. Legendary comic writer Warren Ellis will write the main series, while presiding creatively over other comics spinning out of it. The relaunch will act as an entire reboot of the Wildstorm universe, introducing new versions of previously established characters. Those that did make it over to the main DCU will most likely stay there. In comic book movie news, the titles of two upcoming films were announced this week. In an interview, Ben Affleck said the working title of his Batman solo film that he's writing and will direct is The Batman. Hugh Jackman also just revealed in a tweet the name of what will most likely be his final Wolverine movie, which will be called Logan. According to Schmo Knows, Star-Lord is set to have a sizable role in Avengers Infinity War, as well as being a major player. With Thanos coming into the world, Star-Lord seems to be the obvious choice to hang a lot of the story on. On top of that, Chris Pratt is one of the biggest stars in the MCU. Netflix announced that their adaptation of Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events will come to the streaming service on January 13th by releasing a teaser trailer for the show this week. Based on the books by Daniel Handler, the series follows a group of kids who lose their parents in an accident and are adopted by the evil Count Olaf, who wants to get rid of them to inherit their money. The adventures of the kids are then documented by the title character. 
And finally, in some space news, the Washington Post reports that SpaceX is looking into potential sabotage as a factor in the explosion of the company's Falcon 9 rocket on September 1st. Meanwhile, rocket company Blue Origin pulled off a double success this week while testing the escape system of its space capsule. 45 seconds into the flight, it popped off like a champagne cork propelled by an escape motor mounted underneath. Not only did the empty craft land safely under parachutes four minutes after liftoff, the rocket managed to fly back and land upright, which company officials didn't think would happen. Instead, they thought it would end up crashing. For more details about these stories, check out the links in the show notes of this episode of Galactic Radio or at gncasts.com slash galactic radio. Follow this Galactic Network podcast on Twitter, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us by searching for Galactic Netcasts on all the major social networks or click on the icons at gncast.com. You are listening to Galactic Radio with Dave Nelson. And welcome to the Movie Man's Movie Minute. I am Mark the Movie Man. Today we're going to take a look at Doomed, the untold story of Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. Marty Langford gives us a first-hand account of what happened to that ill-fated comic book film from 1994. We get interviews not only with all the major cast and crew, but with Roger Corman himself. There's are a few surprises, and it is an interesting story into the way Hollywood works, especially in the way of licensing, and the early days before Marvel hit it big. Folks, this is a very entertaining, heartfelt, humorous, and eye-opening window into how the Hollywood machine works and the passion that goes into indie filmmaking. I highly recommend it to anyone who is a fan of good documentaries or those comic book fans and Marvel fans especially out there. It is out on VOD on October 11th and DVD December 20th. And if you want to catch more of my reviews, at specialmarkproductions.com or find me on the Twitters at MovieManiac3D. Thank you and keep that ticket stub. This is a Galactic Network podcast. Dave? Huh? Dave? Huh? Hey Dave, what's the question? Here to answer the question on this episode of Galactic Radio is Anessa Moyens from the Alien Invasion podcast, Corey Scott from the Podcast of Terror, along with his co-host of the Else Nerds, Gregor Sprague. And this time, we want to know, what scenarios did you make believe the most when you were a kid? Corey, I believe it's your turn to start us off this time. Probably the thing that I can remember most vividly as a kid, pretending to be, wanting to be, uh, trying to get other people convinced that I was, was... I was from Orc, like Mork from <laughs> Mork and Mindy Mork was. And Mindy. Yes. Uh, I was determined that I was another Orkin. I was Zork. That was before the Infocom game of the same name, so I was really kind of geeked out when that happened. I had <laughs> three invisible dogs, George, Tim, and Amy, and I don't know why I remember that so vividly, but everything about Mork... And an orc and the the egg and sitting on your head and everything else that was like that was my deal. I had taken some footy pajamas, some red footy pajamas, and done them up to look like the the red uniform that he had with the big triangle on the front. I would do my fingers with the nanu nanu and just all of it. It was a hundred percent. Like I've said many times that uh, Robin Williams was one of my surrogate TV dads. Uh, the other one being uh, John Ritter. Uh, so like following Robin Williams into things like Popeye and everything else was great, but pure Mork, uh, from the very beginning. 
Was your first experience with Mork on that Happy Days episode, Corey? I did see the Happy Days episode, but I don't know that it left as much of an impact on me as the first time I saw Mork and Mindy. And certainly it didn't hurt to uh, look at Pam Dauber for a half hour every week. Well, the Happy Days episode was a lot more serious than uh, they fleshed out the character. Flushed out? Is it fleshed or flushed? Flushed. They fleshed it out later. Yeah, he was a little bit scarier in that one and turned out to be a dream the first time. And then I think they had another one where he came back and they tried to hook him up with Laverne, if I'm remembering that correctly. I, I definitely remember some crossovers with Laverne and Shirley in Happy Days, but I thought that Mork wound up dating her at some point. That was quite the the universe of shows, wasn't it? That interconnected, you know, before we had the MCU and all this other connected stuff on, in the films... You had quite the connected network back in the 70s and the 80s with these TV shows. Well, Greg and I talked about this recently on an episode of Else Nerds. There is the conspiracy that so many shows are connected from a episode of St. Elsewhere, where the, the final episode of St. Elsewhere, it turns out the grandson of one of the characters who has autism has has dreamt the entire series. But that series crossed over with other shows, and those shows crossed over with other shows, and so on and so forth. So it basically it calls into question the reality of all these different TV series that you would never think of. Like when you get to things like Mary Tyler Moore, and so you get Lou Grant and Rhoda and all these other things. But it just goes down the gamut because it hits things like uh, Hill Street Blues, Homicide, Law and Order. It just keeps going on and on. X-Files, they all kind of meet up with each other in some way. And just to see the interconnectedness of TV, how so many shows, so many influential shows are tied into each other, yeah, that's a pretty big deal. But I don't like it because that means that Mork isn't real, and in my life, I know that he is. (laughs) Someone needs to do like a a connected chart thing. Oh, they have. Oh, they have, okay. I'm trying to tell Beat to see if he can remember and find that uh, for me. And by the way, for people that aren't familiar with Beat... It's not Gregor's imaginary friend he talks to in his head. It's an actual it's an invisible Are you dog. Sure? <laughs> uh, I, I haven't met him in person, so he very well could be. I mean, you, you don't know who, who the voice in my head is. Maybe he's Swedish. Or sorry, not Swedish, Shaw Swiss. Sorry, Pete, didn't mean to say you're Swedish. No, the, the infographic that they made connecting that whole thing is trippy. Like, basically 90% of all American TV is on this list. Like, I'm sitting there looking at it, I'm like, wait, how's the connection? Do they, do they actually describe what the connection is, how it's connected? Uh, I think you could go in deeper, but it's it, it's a nightmare unless you're on, like, a 4K television oh, as, yeah, yeah, or yeah. a 4K screen is hooked up to your, yeah. to your web browser because it's, like, zoom in, and then you got to, zo- like, actually zoom in, like, to get to some of the things and it but no it's yeah it's really cool when Corey so, said that to me it, it blew my mind on that episode of the else nerds all right uh anessa when you were growing up what did you make believe the most what did you play the most guess it depends on my age <laughs> <laughs> if i would say probably five or younger i was really big into gi joes and i looked up to scarlet m o'hara yeah and uh, I grew up with a lot of guy friends, so I was very much a tomboy. As I got older, I did a lot of, like, 
a science stuff. So I remember having like this little refractor telescope. I mean, you could barely, you know, you, you could see the moon, but it was like slightly brighter and bigger in, in the telescope. I did a lot of science stuff, like thinking back on it. I did a lot of reading about like dinosaurs because remember, I wanted to be a paleontologist. And then I would pretend that I was conducting like these chemistry experiments and I had a little microscope. So I had like these little slides that I would look at of different like leaves and smudges and and whatnot. So I was just really big into science as a child. (laughs) I, I had this inner curiosity and that would probably be the thing that I like pretended the most overall was trying to make my own observations and see what happens if I mix something with something else. If anything, then I ended up with a really tasty drink. <laughs> Ooh, Kool-Aid. But yeah, like for, for me, it was probably more more science and stuff. And I mean, if I wasn't doing that, then I was outside riding my my bike or bouncing on my pogo ball or inside at some point playing my Atari and then eventually my Super Nintendo. And then I just became a band nerd as a teen. So that was my life. That's the whole childhood of uh, Vanessa right there. <laughs> You're welcome. In a nutshell. <laughs> and, and music was the <laughs> other thing too. Like I was, I was really big into singing and like I would be at the grocery store and I would break out singing. And I remember my parents telling me stories of how we went to Carlsbad Caverns and down at the towards the bottom they've got like this big open chamber area yeah i've been there and they've got like the tables and stuff they've got a couple gift shops and you know little concession stands and stuff and apparently i just hopped up on a table and started singing (laughs) so (laughs) i was not shy as a child not even a little bit (laughs) i uh (laughs) i made believe a lot of things when i was growing up but um one of the things that i did did the most older as an older child was number one i had my own version of the swamp in my room uh the swamp from mash um i had i had a fake martini still i had chairs set up like they had in the swamp you know how on mash they had the sign where one thing was a direction towards a place and then they had the how many miles it was away it was like tokyo los angeles paris I made one of those when I was growing up. Really big into MASH. Like it was on five or six times a day. Like it was amazing how many times that you could watch MASH during a single day. <laughs> and I also eventually made my own radio station, studio in my room with a turntable. And I took a Mr. Microphone and like jacked it up. I put uh, an extra, like I spliced some more like um, stereo wires onto it and then put it out my window and actually I brought this is illegal actually I I juiced the signal and I I could actually pick up my radio station all the way up the street I tested it out so that's awesome yeah I had call letters and everything it was awesome so those are the two things that I uh I played the most when I was a kid yeah because I I had to do a lot um I think WSP something was one of them I I had a, a number of different ones WSPF? No, but that would have been cool. <laughs> that would have been pretty cool. It's good to keep it very keep the man off your back. Yeah, I know because you never know. <laughs> FCC <laughs> might show. That wasn't my station. Summer. I was. Yeah, my station was WSRT. Yeah. WS does not exist. Ha ha! Take that, man. 
All right, all right, Gregor, you're you're the one that's left. What did you yeah. uh, What did you make believe growing up? So I there is uh, someone might have it in my family, but there is videotape evidence, and I will destroy it if I find it, of me at the age of four with my cousin who, or no, I think I might have been five, five or six. I don't know. I was really young. And it was uh, the Power Rangers were the fir- was the first ones like because I had gotten a ski mask I put it on and it was just like I'm a Power Ranger <laughs> and like that and but it quickly became like whatever I was watching around so it it mainly be on like car rides so I don't know if you guys ever saw the show uh, Big Bad Beetleborgs it was like a Power Rangers knockoff but they had like these tanks that they're uh, Beetleborgs were essentially, and they had controls like that where you'd, you'd have like the two joysticks that you pulled out and all that stuff. So I'd be in, in my grandma's car doing that as I'm turning. She's like, no, you're doing it backwards. I'm like, shut up. I know how to do this. And then I'd correct. <laughs> you're not a Battleborg grandma. Yeah. <laughs> and then it would go on to the Blizzard game, not Diablo, StarCraft. That's it. And I'd picture these ships in the sky going down and all these other places or Spider-Man uh, web-slinging from tree to tree because that's all there is in Jackson, Michigan to really web-sling from and stuff like that. And I, I'm not going to lie and say that I don't do that anymore because I find myself sometimes still doing it. And yeah, whatever, I'll fight you for it. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's it's cool. It was I was always one of those escapist kids. Not necessarily my world sucked, but it's like my world's boring, so I'm going to go out and have fun in my own world. Well, you were just enhancing the real world. That's all. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. It's honestly, it's, and I talked about this on episode 15 of Elsa Nerds, where I talked about the book, uh, Dark Knight, a true Batman story with Paul Dini. And that's one of the things that me and him have in common is we would picture these characters that we grew up watching in our world and all that. Please subscribe to this Galactic Network podcast by going to gncast.com slash subscribe or search iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or anywhere podcasts are offered. You are listening to Galactic Radio with Dave Nelson. Hello, I'm Daryl Johnston, and here is another article from our Sci-Fi-pedia. If you'd like to know more about this subject, then follow the link in the show note of this episode of Galactic Radio. A ray gun is a type of fictional device that usually fires a beam of destructive energy used in science fiction, a form of directed energy weapon. They have various alternative names, ray gun, death ray, beam gun, blaster, laser gun, phaser, zap guns, so on and so forth. They're a well-known feature of science fiction, and for such stories they typically have the general function of guns. In most stories, when activated, a ray gun emits a a ray, typically visible, usually lethal if it hits a human target, often destructive if it hits mechanical objects, with properties and other effects, unspecified and varied. A very early example of a ray gun is the heat ray featured in H.G. Wells' novel The War of the Worlds. Science fiction during the 1920s described death rays. 
early science fiction often described or depicted raygun beams making bright light and loud noises like lightning or large electrical arcs. The term raygun had already become cliché by the 1940s, in part due to the association with comic strips and later film serials, Book Rogers and Flash Gordon. Soon after the invention of lasers during the 1960s, such devices became briefly fashionable as a directed energy weapon for science fiction stories. For instance, characters from Lost in Space, the TV series, and the Star Trek pilot episodes, The Cage, carried handheld laser weapons. By the 1960s and 70s, as lasers limits as weapons became evident, ray guns were dubbed phasers for Star Trek and blasters for Star Wars, pulse rifles, plasma rifles and so forth. In his book, Physics of the Impossible, Mikhail Kakaru used gamma ray bursts as evidence to illustrate that extremely powerful ray guns, like the one used to destroy a planet on uh, Death Star in the Star Wars franchise, do not violate known physical laws and theories. He further analyzes the problem of ray guns' power sources. You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. Our guest on this episode is a writer, a podcaster. He's the author of A God in the Shed and The Life Engineered, which won last year's Sword and Laser contest on Inkshares. You can hear him on the Overcast, Right Brain, and 40K radio podcasts. Welcome to Galactic Radio, J.F. Dubo. Hello, J.F. Hey, Dave. How are you doing, man? Not too bad. All right, to start things off, tell us how you got into writing. I've got this belief and, you know, I don't know if I've, I don't have any stats to prove this, but I think like nine out of 10 people, if you ask them what's on your bucket list, what do you like, what are the things you want to do before you die? Nine out of 10 people are going to say, I'd like to write a book. I've had that for the longest time. And at some point I, I, I saw come up on, I don't know, a Facebook feed or Twitter, some years ago, I saw the uh, National Novel Writing Month challenge pop up, NaNoWriMo. I'm sure at, at this point people have heard all about it. And basically, it's you have to write a 50,000-word book in 30 days. It happens in November every year. It's a blast. I said, you know what? This is my one chance to, uh, to force myself to write a book. And I took the challenge. And I wrote the worst book ever. I, I wrote a vampire book because I figured I might as well get that out of my system. <laughs> and it's not good. But about halfway through... Much like a crack addict going on his first high, I realized this is not something I'm going to be able to stop. I'm going to be writing forever. At that point, I didn't have any uh, hopes, dreams, or, or ambitions of making this professional or even getting actually published. I just figured I'm going to keep writing books until I either get good at it or just you know, hand them to my friends for them to, to laugh at me. And boy, did they laugh at the vampire one. But I just kept doing it. Like the next year, I, I picked up the challenge again. Then I discovered you could, there's a NaNoWriMo camps in the summer. So I started doing those. And every time I would, I would give them to my wife and I would give them to my friends and I would give them to, to people around me. And you know, they'd tell me, oh, this sucks a bit less than last year. 
And and eventually someone, you know, someone said, hey, you should show this to our editor friend and, you know, get it corrected because this is starting to get good. And I at first I thought like, well, they're just being nice. But, you know, I went through the steps and, and here I am. The Life Engineer is currently out and A God in the Shed is coming out. So describe your books and the inspirations for them. The, the story of uh, life, life Engineered is far in the future, thousands of years in the future. Uh, humanity has been not all but erased, but has sort of disappeared. They've gone dormant in the galaxy, and they've left uh, a race of robots, a third generation of a race of robots called Capex or Chapex, depending if you want to take the proper Czech pronunciation, uh, as stewards of the galaxy to rebuild the uh, to rebuild some ecosphere, some plat- livable planets for uh, for humanities to inhabit. And this is the story of those robots. This is the story of one of those robots who awakens, who, who gets built, purpose-built for what she wants to do in the universe, which is the reverse of what we do as humans. I mean, we're born with the bodies we have and we sort of figure our way out afterwards. Meanwhile, these robots, they know what they want to be. So they build the body appropriate to it. So you have robots that are they're spaceships. You have robots that are swarms of robots with one mind. There's a lot of weird things. And Life Engineered is sort of my playground to have fun with these ideas as far as sci-fi is concerned. And this is the, this is the story of what happens when, some, when the, the, that race of robots encounters their first um, ideological uh, conflict and how they avoid going into a civil war about it. So, A God in the Shed, what's that all about? God in the Shed is the story of a small village in the eastern township of Quebec that has, for the past three generations, kept a god prisoner. It's not a god in a Judeo-Christian or most modern religion kind of way, but more in an existential horror kind of way. Mm-hmm. Think, um, think H.P. Lovecraft. So it's, it's a, an, ex, an extra-dimensional creature with godlike abilities that they've sort of they've managed to kept, keep prisoner and... They made it evil by asking for things from it. And this is a story of how they lose control of it. And it winds up trapped in the backyard shed of a, uh, a teenager. And she and her friends in a not so young adult story have to figure out how to get rid of it. And it's, it's a horror fantasy book. So there's murder a lot. And it's a blast to write. And it's right now it's been my main project for maybe the past. Ever since Life Engineered was published, I've been reworking and reworking on A God in the Shed because it's, I mean, it's not even out yet. And it's getting some interesting nods and attention. Which leads me to our next question. Can you spill the beans on any exciting news or other projects you have in the pipeline right now, JF? I am working on God in the Shed primarily. I've got a couple of other projects that I'm working on. I'm working on a sequel for Life Engineered. Um, that's This is all public knowledge. What else is public knowledge? It's public knowledge that I was in Los Angeles for book reasons uh, last week. I'm pretty sure that my manager at Inkshare uh, tweeted that I had a meeting at Weed Road, which is a production house. So infer what you will. I so, think he's also made it clear on a f- public forum post on Inkshare that there was an offer for an option for a television series for God in the Shed. So that is also public knowledge. 
Um, what else? It's <laughs> not public knowledge, but it looks like there's going to be audiobook deals for things like A God in the Shed and Life Engineered. Sweet. I'm not saying anything further about that, about who's going to take care of what, because you know nothing's signed, and this is the kind of stuff that you know you don't you don't want to jinx, but like the the rug can be pulled out from under. But I've lived some interesting things recently. It sounds encouraging. One of the things that I learned in doing going through this whole adventure is that even if, say, let's say there is an option for God in the Shed, an option is uh, is basically just reserving the rights to do something. So let, let's say Skydance Production options God in the Shed, which hopefully they do. If you're listening, Skydance, hey, guys, love you. Just let's settle this. Anyways, um, no, but... Um, Joking aside, let's say they do option it. That doesn't mean it necessarily goes into production. They need to actually find someone to sort of finance it. If it does go into production, then they're going to do an exercise or a pilot. And then that needs to get picked up. So before you see God in the Shed on the small screen, there is, there's even if it gets options, there's like a 1% chance it gets to anything. So there's a whole process that goes into this. Absolutely. It's oddly a fun process. Like, here's here's the thing that I discovered going to Los Angeles. I was expecting a lot of hollow Hollywood types, like empty people. You know, how like we see in the movie, how, how Hollywood is depicted. Yeah. That couldn't have been further from the truth. Everyone I met there on a professional basis was just awesome. All right. So let me, uh, let me get into a few more, some interesting questions here. If you were forced to live inside a video game world, which one would it be and why? This is going to sound super weird because I know the game is getting panned, but I I could live in No Man's Sky. Get a get your own ship, get to travel. Hell yeah. I mean, yeah. It's I mean, it sounds boring the way people have described how easily you can get the end game and there's not that many options out of there, but if you're going to live somewhere having just all these places to explore, you know, assuming that the world is more realistic because you live in it, that doesn't sound too bad. I thought for sure you were going to say Overwatch since you do a podcast about over it about it. Overwatch implies shooting people. Again, like it goes back to the idea of but then again there's a lot of sentient robots. You know what? Maybe maybe you got me there, Dave. I, f- I think I will rev- revise to Overwatch. Okay, so you're really into miniature wargaming. Um <laughs> for those who don't know what the hell that is, can you explain it? Well, miniature wargaming is basically it's it's a it's the Renaissance man's game uh, or hobby. Essentially, you 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 purchase, build, model, and paint to the best of your ability tiny toy soldiers that you then put on a table and you have them fight each other uh, using dice and measuring tape and stuff and and sets of rules. There there's different games from different game company uh, following different themes. I play a lot of Warhammer Forty Thousand, which is a very grim, far future science fiction uh, setting. I also play some uh, some Malifaux. Which is a a weird West type thing, with a, which is kind of Western but with magic and demons, and I mostly do it for the artistic thing. Like I like painting the miniatures, and I like you know doing dioramas and stuff, and coming up with cool stories for my armies. Because um, I'm a terrible strategist, I'm very very bad at actually playing the games, um, but I, I have pretty toys. So it's just another way of kind of expressing your creativity. I guess it's 
it's it's it's a very zen experience to sit down and, and model and paint some miniatures. Okay, so what's your favorite ever piece of sci-fi? Okay, it can be anything like TV, film, video games, comic books, and uh, what about fantasy? Let's let's ask for for sci-fi. Let's ask for fantasy. Okay, here's the thing. This is why I answered No Man's Sky previously because right now my favorite piece of sci-fi is the Overwatch universe because it is the kind of future I would kind of like to see. There's there's a certain optimism, a certain brightness to it that I really enjoy. And as far as sci-fi tropes and elements, it is very much all over the place. You've got genetically engineered monkeys, apes. Uh, you've got you know people with weird superpowers, sentient robots. It's it's got it's got it all, but it's got it all in a non-typical dystopian fashion. Like this isn't like your Philip K. Dick future. This is a, a much brighter, more interesting, more optimistic future. Of anything that you've ever experienced related to sci-fi is it the favorite thing ever oh absolutely it does trump everything there's there's a reason why i do an overwatch podcast is because it's not as much the gameplay of the game it's it's a it's an amazing first person shooter but what interests me the most and if you listen to the podcast you'll see that is what interests me is is the lore behind it the story and how blizzard is sort of building it from they're building the story everywhere except in the game and the game just has is just Easter eggs about the story, and it's brilliant. It's it's a lovely it's a lovely story. If you watch any of the three the three uh, D animated shorts that they have, the storytelling in some of these is just gorgeous. And like I said, it just it just grabs from all the cool tropes. What about fantasy? Uh, same question. My favorite fantasy anything would in that case be it's a, it's kind of a modern fantasy story written by um, by Clark Barker called Galilee, and it's what I like about that book and that story is that there is a mix of wonder, beauty, and terror that it just speaks to me. Like I love the idea of blurring that line between what is, you know, supposed to be terror. No, I, I, I bring that up because that's something I wanted to do thematically with God in the Shed is have something that's both terribly beautiful and beautifully terrible. <laughs> and I find the, the the reason why I latch on to that theme is because of that book. All right. So are there some movies, TV shows, books, video games that are coming out soon that you're interested in? I'm mostly interested in a bunch of things that have come out and I haven't had a chance to watch yet. I'm I'm so far behind on the things I should be watching that I'm not even that aware of what's coming out next season. But what's uh, what's something that you have wanted to watch for a while that's been out for a while? Um, that's been out for a while. I absolutely need to watch The Expanse. This it's it seems sounds like it's my kind of sci-fi, a bit too dystopic, but still like the, the kind of storytelling I like. Very character focused, very very well built world. Uh, Stranger Things sounds like it's going to be exactly down my up my alley. Like mm-hmm. everybody everybody that knows me, everybody that knows what I like to see in stories, just has been just ranting at me that Stranger Things was essentially written for me. So. Well, from what I understand, it was written for a lot of people because it's very popular. As for things that are coming, I am really eager to see uh, Rogue One. I'm very curious to see what this is going to be about. I've got some, uh, I've got some reservations. There's a couple of scenes in the trailers that make me twitch, but otherwise, I mean, it's Star Wars, and it's I like the idea of exploring these side stories. What's your uh, thoughts on the new Star Trek series? I know that we don't know much about it yet. But of what you've heard, are you, are you interested? 
here's the thing with it, right? I think they're going in the right direction in wanting to recapture the spirit of exploration that is Star Trek. That is, I think, the correct path. However, I think that they chickened out the moment the moment they had that idea, they chickened out and decided we're going to put it in the past. We're going to go somewhere safe. We're we're not going to try anything new. And that part worries me. I sound super pessimistic. I'm not. I just see a lot of potential pitfalls that I'm hoping they avoid. All right. So is there a guilty pleasure that you enjoy the most? Is there one thing that you, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you want to relax or you just want to get away from writing or doing whatever. And there's that one thing, that one guilty pleasure. Is there something? Um. I okay. Uh, there, I never want to get away from writing. Usually, when I want to get away from things, I write, which is that's my secret to uh, to being able to to to, to do that. However, uh, guilty pleasure. I really enjoy playing Jetpack Joyride. <laughs> Not long. I'll play ten minutes a day. Just do whatever the equivalent of a daily is in there, and uh, then I'll put it away, and that's it. It is a dumb game, but it is meditative in the sense that it's it's it doesn't require any thought to do, mm-hmm. and the music is cheesy and uh, and dumb. Anyways, nothing wrong with that. I don't know. <laughs> I think there is. That's why it's a guilty pleasure. So, anything else that uh, you want to say before we uh, wrap up here? Is there anything that we didn't cover yet that you want to talk about? Uh, not really. I mean, we've talked about the podcasts I do. Um, I and the podcasts I do all relate to one of the three things that we discussed. Uh, Overcast, the Overcast that I uh, that I host with Amy Frost is about the, the the video game Overwatch. If you're at all curious about that, or you just want to hear two nerds just geek out about a property, it's a good show for that. I the Right Brain podcast I do with my fellow co-writer, uh, not co-writer, but fellow writer Paul Inman is about writing and co- crowdfunded publishing and just about whatever we're doing and challenges that we encounter as we're trying to sort of build ourselves from hobbyists to professionals. And finally, 40K Radio is it's a venerable show that I was inv- invited to take over with two uh, two of my co-hosts, Ashley and uh, and Matt at which we discuss, we discuss uh, Warhammer 40K. It's actually a fairly huge show. Like It's been here for a long time. We've taped four episodes so far, so we still have the, our, our growing pains. Like We're still getting our chemistry down, but it's, it's going fine so far. Well, JF, thank you for joining us today. Where can people find your stuff online, either online or offline? Well, the best place to find me right now is to go to go on Twitter at JF Dubo, that's J-F-D-U-B-E-A-U, or to go to jfdubo.com. Uh, my website is garbage right now, but you can still find most of the information. It's just not elegantly displayed. I'm looking at fixing it and in the next few months, assuming people give me a chance to. If you have a question or comment about anything that you've heard on this Galactic Network podcast, email contact at gncast.com. Leave a voicemail message by calling 805-328-3966 or go to gncast.com slash contact. We read, listen to, and appreciate all of your feedback. You are listening to Galactic Radio with Dave Nelson. Hello, I'm Gregor Sprague, and this is the Polis for Galactic Radio. And these are just a few of the comics coming out for the week of October 12, 2016. DC Comics has from their young animal imprint, Doom Patrol number 2, What Happened to Larry Trainer? The hero known as Negative Man is still out there, 
He's not exactly the same guy he was back when Doom Patrol was still together. Like a Russian nesting doll, there is a man inside of the man, and who knows how many other men inside of them, with the guy on top possessing the mind of mis for mischief that incites violence. Meanwhile, Casey has started rebuilding Robot Man, even though she still doesn't know exactly how Cliff Steele ended up crossing her path in the first place. Also from DC Comics is The Flash number 8, Lightning Strikes Twice Part 8. When Godspeed brings his killing spree to Iron Heights, Barry Allen must protect his own rogues gallery, including his mother's killer from the Deadly Speedster. Luckily, The Flash has some new help from Wally West, the newly christened Kid Flash. Image Comics has The Fix number 6. This is a great series. I honestly truly love this series. And Roy investigates a high-profile murder. Image Comics also has Lazarus number 25, Call Part 4, Forever takes the field as a terrifying new Lazarus makes his presence known. And Marvel Comics has Clone Conspiracy number one. This is a Spider-Man book. Dead no more. The Jackal is back and has conquered death. The Amazing Spider-Man is outmatched by his classic enemy's army. Does the wall crawler stand a chance? Should he stand in the Jackal's way if he's found the key to eternal life? Great Lakes Avengers number one. All new, all different? No thank you. New things are bad and different things are scary. Instead, why not join everyone's least favorite superhero team, the Great Lakes Avengers, in their brand new, but not too brand new, ongoing series. Same old, same old Great Lakes Avengers. When the team gets reinstated as permanent members of the Avengers and uprooted to Detroit, the GLA has one more shot at superhero glory. But can they answer the call? Do they even have 4G coverage here? Find out. And Mosaic number one. This is a special oversized issue. Professional basketball player and world-renowned celebrity Morris Sackett gains extraordinary abilities at the grave cost of his own mortal body. Imbued with the ability to jump from person to person like a ghost, he controls the bodies and memories of those he inhabits. With his own body destroyed, the one-time superstar athlete must rely on the others to survive. The saga of the newest Marvel Inhuman mosaic begins here. This has been the pull list for Galactic Radio. You can find all these at your local comic book shop. Happy reading. This is a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNcast.com. Watching, reading, playing, listening, making, I watching, reading, playing, listening, making, and watching, reading, playing, listening, making. G. Anessa Moyens from the Alien Invasion podcast. Why don't you tell us what you're watching, listening to, playing, reading, making, etc. this week? I am currently reading a book called The Girl with All the Gifts. And on the back of the book, it says, Every morning, Melanie waits in her cell to be collected for class. When they come for her, Sergeant Parks keeps his gun pointing at her while two of his people strap her into the wheelchair. She thinks they don't like her. She jokes that she won't bite, but they don't laugh. I'm currently reading it, so I'm only about halfway. Spoiler alert, it is zombie related. <laughs> if you didn't gather from that little snippet about not biting and people not laughing. Essentially, you have these zombies that people refer to as the hungries. And there's certain zombies that the military has come across that haven't fully crossed over. In into full on zombiedom, so they do have some. Uh, they're able to communicate. They're able to learn. They're and 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 the ones that they've come across are children, so they're basically trying to see if they can try to find a cure. And so they have a classroom full of zombie kids that don't really realize what they are. So, spoiler, I guess in that part, but I'm not going to really mention anything else. 
But so far, I enjoy the book. We'll see how the second half goes. I know that it's getting made into a movie. I have not watched the trailer because I don't want it to influence my imagination. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about this. I've heard of the book, but I didn't know it was being made into a movie. That's interesting. I had actually found out about the book at about the same time as the trailer and like it started to play and I'm like no I want to read the book first and then I want to see the trailer and I don't want it to really influence my thoughts on the actual book at this point but no I I enjoy it it it's really interesting the way that he has a chapter set up because a lot of authors will do chapters that you know are like 5 10 15 pages or more and you might have a chapter where it's like the front of one page and the back of it and then you're on to the next chapter so and it kind of picks up with like the different characters so you learn more about the individuals as you go along in the story and it's not just focused on melanie yeah it's actually kind of a cool book and it's not like your traditional zombie story where people are just you know being devoured and ripped to shreds by zombies it's it sounds it sounds awesome. more it sounds more like uh the that movie warm bodies in a way uh but like like where it's it's not a traditional right i I guess in in that regards it it could be that way in that you have some zombies that aren't 100 percent zombie but the thing that i i I do dig is just the way that they explain how that particular state came to be not going to tell you how but you know it it kind of dug how they they put that in there so anyway that's what I'm reading. You are listening to Galactic Radio with Dave Nelson. Welcome to today's applicably, applicably Galactic, Galactic App, App Reviews. I'm Peter Fisher from the I the App That podcast from Blazing Caribou Studios, and here is today's review. Duolingo is an app that will let you learn various languages, up to 27 languages to be exact. Available for iOS, Android, and on the desktop, you will go through exercises where you practice words and phrases that you've learned before while learning new ones. Completing these daily exercises maintains your daily streak, garnering you lingots, an in-app currency. With lingots, you can buy bonus skills such as idioms and proverbs or flirting, and power-ups that help you maintain your streak and increase the number of lingots you get after a streak of a certain number of days. So if you ever wanted to learn Spanish, French, German, Swedish, Polish, or even Klingon, Duolingo can help you. If you like what you've heard on this Galactic Network podcast, please consider helping us out financially by going to gncast.com support. On that page, you'll find links to our Patreon campaign where you can make a small recurring monthly pledge of as little as $1. Or click on our Amazon affiliate link, make a purchase, and we get a very small percentage from the sale. Again, go to gncast.com slash support. And thank you for supporting the Galactic Network podcast. Hello, I'm Gregor Sprague, and this is the Else Nerds. Now, what are the Else Nerds? Well, it's myself and Corey Scott, along with our producers, Beatmaster and Evan Rockby, as we talk about everything that is on our nerdy little heart, whether it be comic books, movies, TV shows, video games, cell phones, the moments that we're walking down the street and a person says hi, it doesn't matter. We talk about everything, and you can find it at elsenerds.com. Thanks to Monkey Warhol for providing the theme song, Hear more of his stuff at soundcloud.com slash monkeywarhol. We'd also like to thank Blazing Caribou Studios for our awesome artwork. For more on those guys, go to blazingcariboustudios.com. Also thanks to JF 
Gregor, Corey, Anessa, Mark, Peter, and Daryl. And for you, for tuning in to Galactic Radio, you can find us at gncasts.com slash galacticradio. And until next time, Galactic Radio is now going off the air. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to gncast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.